When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Hope everybody had a great and safe 4th of July weekend because we are coming back with a bang as we are joined by a very special guest on tonight's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. And our guest tonight, Bucks wide receivers coach Brad Isaac is joining us. Brad, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing this, this evening? Doing great, man. Doing great. Can't complain. You're about to be a busy man. We were just talking before the show started. Um, you're about to, to, I mean, the summer is like vacation time, but yeah. you've got an interesting working vacation coming up here tomorrow, right? Yeah. So uh, flying out to Japan, I'm going to visit a couple schools out there and, and do some coaching clinics. Um, I wrote my my girlfriend into it by saying, hey, we get a, an, <laughs> a nice little flight out to Japan, but uh, I got to do a little work while I'm out there. But for me, yeah. it's not work. Excited to spread the game a little bit and talk a little football with some guys out there. And get some good food. I'm sure that that's a tough sell for her, right? To go oh, out yeah. there and she's uh, on board. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't a hard sell. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, we just wrapped up. You know, it seems like a mini camp a week or two ago. It's been longer than that. And believe it or not, we're three weeks away from the start of Bucks training camp. I mean, this this summer's just flown by, has it not? Oh yeah, it goes quick. It always does. Um, you feel like you know you're looking forward to a, a nice four and a half, five week break for so long. And then once it's here, you're like, where to go? Yeah. Um, I actually, I told our guys going into it, I was like, Hey guys, don't see this as a break because it's going to go fast. Yeah. Um, and you got to be ready because it's going to sneak up on you. So um, it's really a time for them to kind of prioritize their needs for us as coaches, prioritize what we want to get done going into it. Um, because if you, if you take too big of a breath, um, it'll catch you by surprise. <laughs> Well, we just had Dave Canales on the podcast last week. It's, we've done all these offensive players. I'm kind of a defensive-minded guy, Brad, but I got to admit, all these offensive guys like yourself, Dave Canales, we had Rashad White on, Luke Gedeke, Cody Malk. Um, you know, it's, you're rubbing off on me. So I, I'm, I'm coming around to the offensive side, but I know points win games. You got to score points to win. Just enough. But, just enough. Yeah, just enough. But but Dave Canales, though, right? I mean, uh you know what did it, what did it say about you to to have the opportunity to run your room for the first time after being an assistant receivers coach in Seattle and and really kind of be you know his his trusted right hand man there and you're going to continue on that duty here uh, by bringing this this uh, you know 
kind of like Seattle Seahawks slash Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense that you guys are creating right now. Uh, just just tell us about that journey, what it means to have him want you here in Tampa with them to to run this receiver room down here. You know, it's it's funny you say, like me and Dave, the last four years, um, one, we've been like two peas in a pod. We, we, you know, we're always in each other's office. We're never kind of alone. So anytime there was downtime for film study, I'd just pop in and be like, hey, what are you watching? Hey, I'm watching, you know, this offense or this game. Like, come on, sit down. So the dialogue for us has been the last four years, football-wise. We've gotten to know each other. Um, I know, like, what he likes as a coach. I know what he wants to run as an offense. I help him, you know, through this interview process. I try to help him as much as I can. Um, he had a couple interview processes in the past where we'd sit down and he'd bounce ideas off each other. So these uh, these conversations that come up when we transitioned here to Tampa, um, we've already had them all one-on-one um, -on -one, and now we're just including the rest of the staff and and so much good experience from the rest of the staff whether it was in-house uh, or coming from other places uh, it's been so much fun to just incorporate everyone's opinion and I think you guys will learn um, Dave's not all talk when it comes to that he, he yeah. is he is ear to the ground for everybody um, and that's like you said for for him to give me the opportunity to to run my own room um, He's, he put action behind words, you know, with what he's told me the last couple of years. He's like, Brad, I believe in you. And he's had my back when I was doing some of the grunt work and trying to earn my stripes in the NFL. And, and now he's he's repaid me with a, an awesome opportunity to coach some really good guys. Yeah, Brad, I, I, I take it when Dave got the offensive coordinator job, it didn't take much convincing for you to come to Tampa, which you have previously called home. So what's it like for this new chapter for you coming back to an area that you're very familiar with and, You've been in the building before, but I would imagine now we're going to hear uh, full-time again with the Bucs that uh, things have changed a little bit. You, you know, it's funny. I was I was getting a noon workout in when, when Dave got the job. He sent the text to staff. They were like, hey, everybody come upstairs. we got some news. Um, and I didn't have my phone on me, so I was last in the room. And uh, <laughs> on my way up, I had like five or ten people passing by. They're like, hey, congrats. I was like, Congrats. What are you talking about? It wasn't that good of a lift. And, uh, and uh, like, no, Dave, Dave got the job. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And uh, and I swear, I kid you not, Pete convinced me. He's like, hey, we're locking down your computer and everything before Dave told me anything. So I guess it was assumed that I was going with him. Um, but no, he uh, he it was it took no convincing at all. Not only for Tampa, it's really cool to be back, um, but yeah. only just to work with him. Uh, just to work with someone you, you consider a you know a close friend, somebody you really trust, um, and somebody who really knows his football. He's he's been around the block uh, with a lot of different OCs. He's he's been around the block with Pete being his right hand man through ups and downs of their time in Seattle. Um, so it's just uh, I'm very fortunate to have crossed paths with him the times that I have, and uh, and get a chance to to show what I'm all about. You know, behind closed doors with him, I always. Like when young guys reach out to me, I just remember being in their shoes and they're like, hey, what's the best thing I can do to, you know, kind of get my name out there, show what I'm all about. And I'm like, your current job is your best interview. Just yeah. do good work. And that for me paid off with Dave because he saw what I was about. He saw, you know, um, what I stood for and, and he believed in me. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, and it's great to be back in Tampa. It's great. Well, he, and it, he, 
it's not the same building. I will say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> You're used to the woodshed, not not yeah. the new one buck palace, as they call it. It used to Absolutely. be one buck place. Now it's one buck palace. Uh, but speaking of home, right, this is home for you. You weren't born in Tampa, but if the last name Idzik sounds familiar, Peter people, you should know by now, if you're a Peter Report follower or listener or reader, that uh, this is John Idzik's son. John Idzik was started off as a pro personnel um, guy uh, working at a Jerry Angelo and, and Tim Ruskell and, and those guys. Uh, Rich McKay was the general manager at the time and then quickly was uh, became the Bucks capologist. And Rich McKay's right hand man became the assistant general manager, helped the Bucks win Super Bowl. Uh, 37 back 37. in the day. Yep. I did do the math in my head. It's 2002, <laughs> Super Bowl 37, a long time ago. But it was really cool to see uh, John, you know, come out to to practice. There he is. It's your father with with Todd Bowles. And, um, you know, what, what was it like growing up here in Tampa uh, with with your dad working for a football team? And, uh, and w- what are some of your, your memories about those early Buccaneers? Um. I remember it being a family atmosphere. Um, it's not always the case. Uh, it kind of goes from team to team of how things are structured. But um, I was actually at a, uh, a little fishing retreat with uh, Coach Tony Dungy and a, and a number of guys uh, through FCA and mm-hmm. uh, a couple weekends ago. And we were talking about me and Eric Dungy, his son, ro- yeah. rolling the halls on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so that's what I remember. I remember, you know, throwing tape balls in the locker room and John Lynch coming in and, and you know, hanging out with us, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it was. It was a small town feel like, even though they were, you know, playing so well, we had so many hall of famers on this team. Like everybody knew each other by name. They knew each other's kids. We were all, it was all one big family. And maybe that was because they were working out of double wides, but, um, <laughs> but at the same time, like I felt that again, when I was in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, coach Carroll does a phenomenal job of incorporating everyone too. And, and I know Dave, um, Dave stands for that too. So he's, and Coach Bowles as well, like family guys. So it's it's really cool to come back into an atmosphere like that. And just I know it's not always the case. Some of the more rigid structures, but um, the building for me and, and the logo of, of you know the Bucks logo just for me means a lot because I just that's what stirred my love for the game. Just hanging around the guys, seeing the camaraderie, and and uh, you know when I was done playing, like I knew I didn't want to get away from that. Yeah. Yeah, Brad. Brad, I was going to ask you if. Because you were around the NFL at such a young age, was it something that you knew immediately that you wanted to be in the NFL in some capacity? Or did it kind of grow on you uh, eventually now you are where you are now? You know, I, I knew I wanted to be in football, but I, I thought I was going to go my dad's route. Um, mm-hmm. I would send him every <laughs> every draft, I would send him my my picks. I'm talking like fourth grade on. Now you're a draft uh, nick. Uh, I, I, that's I, how I grew up with the game is, was the draft and all of that. I loved it. Yeah, I didn't have a good hit rate, but um, they were uh, – I, I always loved the personnel side of things. I loved um, – because he would do it. Like when he'd have, you know, a contract to sign, you know, at midnight, he'd be like, hey, Brad, you want to go to the office? I want to show you a contract. Oh, cool, sweet. Mm-hmm. I had a senior project in high school um, where we had to, you know, take an independent study. And I was like, you know, this is it's kind of cheating, but I'm just going to take a NFL contract, so a world that. So I did my <laughs> full-on senior study on – the structuring of an NFL contract probably put a lot of people to sleep uh, with that presentation, but that's the route I thought I was going to go. Um, mm-hmm. But just what we were talking about before, when I played, I played at Wake Forest and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved the team atmosphere I had there under Coach Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Jim Grove is one of the best men you'll ever be around. And 
the way he brought so many different people together. And I felt that um, as someone who transferred in late and was immediately incorporated into the team, um, I was like, I can't get rid of that. I can't take another step away from the locker room feel. Um, yeah. And being a coach, like that's as close as you can get, you know? So it's, it's been, uh, it's been awesome and it's been very rewarding. Um, you know, just my, my couple stops so far, um, just being around people where they continue to kind of reverberate that family feel. When you look at, um, you know, at your time in Seattle, uh, you, you know, you had the opportunity to coach a, a pair of pro bowlers, right. And Tyler Lockett, who went, went to mama mater, Kansas state, I'm a huge Lockett guy. Um, and DK Metcalf. And, uh, you know, um, I, I feel bad for you that you have to coach, you know, two more pro bowlers here, <laughs> you know, in <laughs> Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Right. I mean, th- th- I'm just I'm kidding, obviously. But but, you know, to, to have the, the really the privilege of, of having, you know, a great wide receiver room, um, you know, a couple thousand yard guys there in Seattle and then come to Tampa with different type players, but yet similar track record for success. Uh what has that transition been like for you? Oh, it's it's been awesome. And one, it starts with the players. So uh, there's a reason that Chris and Mike have done so well for so long. Uh, Chris is the ultimate pro, like from day one. Uh, he's he's so professional, and it, it's the first day on the field. I'll, I'll never forget it. First day on the field, I'm coaching something up. The first rep, and we're talking stance and start, something very basic. Yeah. And I coach something up. And then I, you know, you have to go let the whole group go until you can make your point again to yeah. the to the group of, of corrections. And um, I'm heading back after everybody's done. There's like eight guys or so. I'm heading back and I'm about to make a point. And of course, Chris is already coaching up another guy. And <laughs> um, by the time I get there, I start making my point. And Russ, Russell Gage is like, "Yo, coach, coach, did you like did you like prep Chris on that? Did you tell him like it's like." <laughs> It's like, no, man, that's that's what it looks like. That's yeah. what it looks like. Chris is uh Chris has been amazing that way. And it's been amazing. He hasn't missed a day, hasn't missed a minute of meetings and off-season program. Um, it's a guy who takes care of his body, a guy who's obviously now a year removed from his injury. He's gonna, you know, just take another step in, in confidence and you know his knee stability and everything. So he's he's been amazing. And then there's Mike, um, obviously the model of consistency in this league. So Mike's been great communicator from day one. I know how it's like, like what it's like to have a guy who is off season that might not look the same as Chris, as far as, you know, he might not be there every single day from the get go, but man, when he was there, he was grinding and he was very upfront about everything um, from the start. And he's very professional. You go to his, his foundation dinner and you look at a guy who loves his community, loves his family and loves his teammates. Like, um, when your strength coach comes in and he's raving, he just want, he's like, hey, I want you to I want you to know when Mike is in the building, there's not a better worker. Right. That's all you could ask for from a receiver room because you know that's not always the case. Um, but to have those two guys leading the charge in the room and then have a plethora of guys, Russell Gage having a lot of experience, and then a young guys now where they have yeah. those models to look at, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. And I was extremely fortunate to work with Tyler and DK. Um, but, again, it's the players that make the – make the coaches in that regard, because those two guys are phenomenal mm-hmm. human beings as well. Right. When, when you look at, at the, you know, at the comparison and we're making it, but I, I want some kind of clarification from you. It, it's, is it, is it too easy to say in this offense, Mike Evans is DK Metcalf and Chris Godwin's Tyler Lockett, or it seems to me like there's more nuance there, right? That it's not exactly like a, 
you know, like a tit for tat kind of comparison. But but there are some similarities, though, in, in those players. Right. I mean, you've got the kind of the bigger, more typical split ends, you know, X receiver in DK and and uh, and Evans. Uh, but but those are also guys that can play in the slot, too, and create some mismatches. How do you see uh, the, the duo in Seattle, the dynamic duo in the terrific tandem in, in Tampa? You know, what it does for us, for Mike, obviously you look at, you're okay, yeah, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and can run and stretch the field vertically. Um, it gives us a good selling point for Mike saying, hey, here's all the stuff you've done, and I'm going to layer that exactly on with DK. Yes, you have that role, but here's some other things that we can do with you as well. Um, DK coming in as a rookie and then his progression from year two to three of putting him in the slot, stuff that Mike's already done. Mm-hmm. Um it just helps us to have that stuff on tape already to sell. Really, you got to sell the offense to Mike and saying, here's the roles that we want you in. Here's where we want you to invest your offseason um, to be ready for and know what to expect going into you know, this coming season. And then when it comes to Chris, um, it's, it's funny. Like, you take a guy that big and for him to be so good in the slot last year, especially uh, I, I attribute some of that to being, okay, he's coming off a of rehab. He's still yeah. a strong guy. He's going to catch catch everything, and he's going to run after the catch. So he's got that under his belt, and now we want to transition him to doing more of the outside stuff that he did early. So he can do it all still. So we have two big puzzle pieces that can do it all, and you can just take those roles when you look at the DK Metcalfs and his progression from year one to two to three and say, Mike, you have all of this. You've already done all of this. Now let's just – where does it – you know? Where are the little nuance changes from what you know you called things, the route depth, the footwork um, versus what you have done and, and what we will ask you to do here? Because those are the things that, you know, when you're you have a lot of experience, some of the things get kind of ingrained in you is like, hey, I'm fourth outside on this route gets me to right. however many yards. It's like, all right, well, we want you to stretch it to another revolution. It's like, all right, well, we got to break some muscle memory there. Right. We yeah. got to build some new tools. Um, so that's that's the toughest part. And that's where I'm. I'm saying, like, Chris, the reps that he's gotten this offseason has been awesome. And then Mike, man, he picked right up um, when he came. And uh, and it was like, hey, Mike, I know you've been doing this for a long time, but can we add two more steps on this route? And he's like, oh, okay, I got you. As long as right. you why, you know, they'll buy in. So that, that, that's been really awesome. I and mean, it's been great to show him a couple guys in, uh, in DK and Tyler doing it. Tyler with the nuance of, uh, you know, broken plays and scramble drill as well. Mm-hmm. That like for us makes it so much easier to coach our guys. Like, hey, continue to play. Yeah. Both Kyle and Baker, those are guys that are athletic and they're going to break the pocket. They're going to extend plays. All right. So you have to be ready for the second play. And we're building in these scramble reactions. Tyler, there's not a better guy in the league. There yeah. really isn't. He's done it time and time again, whether it's Russell Wilson or Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. When the play breaks down, we say the ball finds energy. Well, Tyler's yeah. always the first guy expending that energy. <laughs> so we want to build that into our guys as well. And I, I think what's so cool and fascinating about Mike and Chris specifically is, you know, you look around the league, and I don't think you you have this with Seattle at all, but, like, wide receivers in general, like, they want the ball. And if they're not getting the ball, they're not usually the happiest about it. But Mike and Chris specifically, and I'm pretty sure you would say the same about DK and, and Tyler, Mike and Chris just don't have an ego. They are, like, the most down-to-earth guys that you can find to the point where they want to learn more. They're excited yeah. about this new offense how much does that help just having just two mo- like the two most open-minded people you could possibly get on this roster? Oh, it's phenomenal. And it just it brings up the floor of the room, you know. So all the young guys making plays uh, in the offseason. We had a I, I think of a 
it was one of Mike's first day back and DT makes a huge play. You know, Mike comes out, he doesn't get a ball. DT goes in at X. He makes a huge play down the field. The first guy down the field congratulating him is Mike. And um, so while it also brings up the floor of the room, Mike, we can also go back to him and say, hey, all right, now that's your play. You know, that's that's going to be you right. during the game. So you just need to continue to visualize like, okay, here's what he did right on this route. Here's what some of the, you know, the other guys, when they're getting all the reps, you can't give them every single rep in practice. All right, right. got to take care of them when they're getting a little bit older. But um, – they just they soak it up and they steal those reps. Like one mm-hmm. of the, the big quotes in our room. I'm not a big quote guy, but I, I write it at the top of our board every morning is, is steal reps. How can you guys mm-hmm. steal reps? And that it's especially true when you know you're coming into year seven, eight, nine of your career. How can you steal those mental reps? So you know when once you get to the game, like you're not thinking about it. You can't be thinking about it. Yeah, not enough time for that. So um, it's just it's really exciting to have those guys that that take that to heart. When, when you look at, at Russell Gage, you know, this is a, a player that that, you know, uh, he had to take a pay cut to kind of stay in Tampa. Injuries kind of derailed his his year last year. I mean, for the first and Matt was there with me watching the first week of training camp. Nobody had more targets for more yards he was balling and, out. and could get open like this guy. And you're thinking, wow, Russell Gage, man, this guy's a huge addition to this team. And he suffers a hamstring injury. The very first joint practice with the Dolphins and really never was the same player. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he's a quick separator. And as you know, when you, you injure your hamstring, nothing robs you of, of your ability to be quick and separate like a hamstring injury. And yep. so, you know, the Bucks didn't get to see the best of him. And then this offseason, he's he's dealt with another injury. And and so, you know, you kind of have to to rely on potential rather than than productivity, yeah, because he's really yet to practice, miss the OTAs in the, the minicamp. But but how excited are you to see what this guy can do as as he tries to get on the field and, and keep that number three receiver role? Yeah. Uh Russ, his his lateral quickness, like you you attested to it. it it's uh it's very uncanny for a guy. He's, he's not the biggest, but he's got good length. If you were talking about a guy who's a number three or playing in the slot. Um, and he's physical. He, he makes sure I knew it the day one. We're talking about high school highlights, and he's like, "Hey, hey, B, put on my highlights, man. I'm telling you, I was knocking <laughs> kids around down in Louisiana." Um, and he was, he was, he's skinny, but he was, mm-hmm. he was throwing his head in there. Um, so he's a guy who he can do a little bit of everything for you underneath, um, but also win outside one on one. But to your to your point, um, he's put a little bit of everything on tape just not the quantity body of work that a guy like Chris or Mike has done. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, you're asking Russ like, Hey, how can we best get consistency and, you know, a long resume this year on paper for you? Well, the the first thing would be taking care of your body. So just being available. Um, And that's, this has been, it's going to be a big time. He just got married. So Mm. uh, there's, there's another little wrinkle for him. Yeah. Um, Hopefully someone else who can keep him, you know, nice and accountable. Right. Um, but no, Russ, Russ has uh, mentally been super engaged and he's coming from an offense in Atlanta a couple of years ago when he was with Shanahan. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities in some of the stuff that we're doing with the, the quick play action mm-hmm. um, that Shane Waldron brought over from L.A. So there's some good crossover there. And Russ is, is really smart and he's helped our guys with some of the nuanced stuff of, hey, here's how we coached it here. Here's how Coach um, Idzik is, is saying it, or Coach Canales is saying mm-hmm. it here. Um, this is what's worked for me. So he's helped me 
as long as you're open and listening, um, you know, for those those moments where, hey, you know, his experience here is applicable for all of our guys and it's not right. derailing what we're trying to accomplish as a team. Um, he's he's given us a lot of that in the room full of young guys. So I've, I've really enjoyed having him. And he's also comes from a DB mindset. So yeah. that part is awesome because here's a guy who's played corner. Um, he came into the league and he's played a little bit in the league at corner. Just shows you how special he is as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but he brings that mentality to our guys and tries, helps them understand a little bit defensive structure and all of that. So as long as he can continue to put a long string of uh, practices together and, and production together, um, he's going to be a big asset for us. A, a lot of Bucks fans are excited about the new offense that's going to be implemented, and and rightfully so with all the changes, especially with motion. Um, Dave Canales has described it as a quarterback-friendly offense, but it also looks like it's very much a wide receiver-friendly offense. Just through your eyes as the wide receivers coach, how would you describe how this offense is going to look? Yeah, I mean, the first thing you mentioned is motions, right? So a couple things to, to make it tough on the front to get a, a, a beat on what we're running. Um, everything we have to legitimize. So if we're going to motion a guy on a fly sweep or something, we got to be able to hand it off to you too. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to keep the defense honest. So Mike looks up. He's like, Oh, really? We're like, <laughs> yeah, Mike, if we're going to throw you in fly sweeps, we're going to have to hand one to you. So yeah. things are going to look a little different that way from everybody's got to, you know, be a threat. All right. Or else all this stuff doesn't fit together. Right. So if you're running the, the for the love of the game route trying to get your buddy open then you also mm-hmm. got to be ready to run the double move for when they're they're tying down you know on the underneath you know play action concepts or whatever it is um but those things have already come up and they've been great i would say too because we have two really smart safeties right now that are trying mm-hmm. to lead everything one in ryan neal who's seen this offensive work yeah uh, whether in antoine winfield he's he's one of the best like as far as communication between an offense and defense and us helping each other out going yeah. into the, the thick of a season. I'm really excited to continue to work with him because he's he's the one who's, he'll pattern read everything. All uh-huh. right. And he'll put on stuff on tape on practice where I'll be like, hey guys, this is why we need to finish the top of our route. We have a guy who's he's reading everything. He sees everything. All right. And if we don't finish and we're not on the details, then he's gonna jump it. That being said, the second he jumps it, we have to be ready for all of our complimentary stuff. And we can't fall asleep on all the other the other routes we're running. So that, that part's been been really good, just watching them all mesh together. Um, but I will say, like, it just takes uh, it takes a little bit of uh, convincing sometimes with receivers that, hey, there's a compliment to everything. All right. Mm-hmm. If the defense is starting to jump some of our concepts, just trust that we have the compliment coming. We just don't have enough reps in the offseason to get them all in. We're just yeah. going to do it once we see it in a game plan week. Well, you know, um, Matt Matera, my co-host here, he's he's famous for calling Dave Canales the human Celsius, and uh, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Celsius is the official energy drink of Pewter Report. I'm not sure if you're a Celsius drinker. I know Dave said he's during the move, especially he's been doing some some Celsius uh, mornings. Uh, trying shipping Celsius to his house, he's got it all over the place. Uh, no, but we we're going to we're gonna yeah, we're gonna send him some more. And Brad, if you're a, a Celsius drinker, we're happy to, to send some your way as well. Um, but uh, folks, if you are if you're not a Celsius drinker, I mean, first of all, if you've been watching the Peter Report podcast, what are you doing? Because Celsius is the official energy drink of Peter Report. Make it your number one pick. Uh, I've had two today. It's just been it's been a Wednesday. I got up at six thirty this morning. 
Uh, I've had to have two. I had the orange this morning, the Oasis vibe uh, later this afternoon. It's the newest flavor now available everywhere. The great thing about Celsius is there's no sugar, so there's no sugar crash. And you get all the essential energy you need to power through your day, whether it's getting up early in the morning, powering through your workout at the gym, or just getting through the afternoon doldrums at work. You can find Celsius by going to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, and then type in your address. And whether you know you, you live in an apartment, a, a condominium, a mini home, a, a big old house, uh, like Dave Canales just moved into, we we had the privilege of seeing Dave's new house. He he did the podcast on move-in day, which was very cool. We appreciate that. Um, but all you have to do is, is just type in your address, and you'll find all these health and fitness stores, these grocery stores. Um, and what's the other term I'm looking for, Matt? Your bodega. Bodega. That's right. And once you find the flavors that you like, make sure that you go to Amazon and buy them in bulk. Use the subscribe and save option, and they'll ship them right to your house, just like we're going to do with Brad Edzik tonight. Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report. Brad, to that point about the um, the offense and all of the motion and stuff, how much have you had to coach up the footwork of the receivers because everyone's moving pre-snap and, and the timing of it and everything of that nature? Has that been a, a point of emphasis so far? Um, It has. So I would say – in individual drills, I, I love the the structure of phase one, phase two, and, and jumping into OTAs. It gives you a lot of time to, to work individual drills. And that was the point of emphasis uh, for us was footwork. Um, Tom Moore gave a great little speech to our guys about, you know, mastering your craft, all right, and, and then doing a thousand reps. And you're still, it's still not enough to have that muscle memory. So you got to, again, steal those reps. So we would take the Tom Moore approach when it came to individual drills and our guys would laugh at it and be like, by the end of it, Chris, it was kind of tongue in cheek. Chris and Russell were guessing, okay, what drills are Brad doing today? It's like, well, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to take the Tom Moore approach. We're trying to get to a thousand on the hitch route. Right? We're trying to get to a thousand on the slant route versus inside leverage or outside leverage. Um, but everything for us, um, when it came, once we got past the the basics of our stance and start and our, our vocabulary and all that, it was, everything was footwork. All right. So we want everything to, to mirror up, we want everything to uh, to look the same coming off the ball for the DBs. Um, and for us, like we just slow it down, have our guys really hone in on, okay, what am I doing? If there's an inefficiency in my route, is it at the beginning? Is it in the stem or is it at the top? All right, there's really three phases to the route. Um, and footwork is everything. So when we got our guys kind of – it's funny when you watch it at first, it looks like, oh, my gosh, are you ruining a potential – you know, NFL receiver. Like, <laughs> he's now wheels are churning. They're thinking like, no, now we're just finding out how can we fine tune these guys to make them that much better. All right. They're all phenomenal athletes, um, but we slow them down. We make them jog. We make them walk. Uh, Devin Tompkins is one of those guys who is super fast in everything he does, whether it's thinking, whether it's executing, whether it's going for the ball, he's super aggressive. So the footwork thing for him at first was, was difficult. It was tough to slow them down. It was tough to say, hey, I want you to focus on where can you be better on your route. Let's talk through the steps. All right. And I think one of the honestly, one of the better things that might have happened to him, um, you don't want a guy to get injured, but it yeah. helped him take a couple days there. Mm -hmm. um, he had a, a little he didn't even get injured. He was just a little strain. We took him out of a couple practices where we would take those special teams periods and we would walk through footwork up and down the field. I was like, Devin. 
take this right now and make this your warm up in the off season when you go in the summer and you can now get that muscle memory of the footwork. So when we come back and we hit training camp and we're watching film of you in a one-on-one period when shots are really flying, all right, now we can say, hey, remember what we talked about when you're just walking through your steps. So, yeah, when you when you talk about footwork, that's everything for us. These guys are going to be able to catch the ball. We're going to catch the ball in the team periods, and we're going to get after it that way. But um, it starts with the feet. You know, you mentioned Devin Tompkins, and and really we've talked about kind of the, the veterans on this, this squad that you have. Mike Evans entering year 10. He's not even 30 years old yet. Isn't that crazy? But he's entering year 10, and uh, he's got nine 1,000-yard straight seasons. Um, if, if this guy stays healthy, he's getting 1,000 yards, right? You can you can say yes. Uh, absolutely. Put it in nope. the, take it to the bank, right? Take it to the bank. Okay. Put it, <laughs> we're going to put it. I'm knocking on wood over here. Right. right. We said as long as he stays healthy, right, because it's 17 games, he's going to get his, and, and it will make it 10,000-yard uh, seasons for for Mike Evans, but we talked about Evans, we talked about Godwin and Russell Gage, but really after that, this is a very young and inexperienced receiving core, and I'm sure you're not afraid of that because your job as a coach is to coach these guys up, and there is some real legit talent there. And let's start with a guy that you drafted uh, just this year, and Trey Palmer. Uh, what, what have you seen from from this guy? I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did in the draft. Maybe it's just because he was kind of a one year wonder in Nebraska after being in a log jam, a wide receiver with all those talented LSU guys, he got a chance to shine, but this guy's speed is legit. Is it not? Oh, it is. It is. And our guy felt, our guys felt it right away. Um, he had a couple deep routes in rookie mini camp. And then the first week uh, against uh, all the vets as well, he, he showed up and you mentioned the, you know, the motions and all that, like he legitimizes all of that and they got to honor his speed every single snap. Um, and anytime you get a, a really, like you said, I'm, I'm surprised he lasted that long as well. We're ecstatic to have him. Um, anytime you have a guy with that much speed, all you're trying to do is make sure he plays with that much speed every single snap. And that's all it is. Um, and Trey, as a personality, I don't know if you, you have a chance to talk to Trey yet. Oh, my yeah. God. He lights up the room. He is amazing. Um, he's aggressive and he cares yeah. a lot. It means a lot to him. Um, he doesn't lack any confidence either. No. But he lacks zero <laughs> confidence. All right. And I'm, if, if you go into LSU and you don't have any, you're lacking a little confidence. All right. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get trampled on. So yeah. I'm sure they, they helped uh, grizzle him that way. But um, Trey, Trey's been a phenomenal guy to work with. A guy who, you, if you challenge him, he will rise up um, mm-hmm. and you can coach him hard. And that part's fun because a lot of the times there's a kind of a people, oh, he's a track mentality. Like, I don't know how you know tough-minded he is, um, but that was not what our scouts said about him. That's not what I yeah. felt when I interviewed him in Indy, um, and it's not what he's shown this off-season at all. Um, he's he's different cut from all those other speedy guys that come out. Um, he uh, just a, a a great example of it. He had you know a great practice, phenomenal practice, a couple big catches uh, against the vets, and then he had one drop late in practice and. And practice concluded, we're walking off the field, and there's Trey in the middle of the field, and he's like, he's beating himself up over it. I'm like, hey, Trey, like, listen, like, this is going to happen, the ebbs and flows of, of practice. It's all good. I really appreciate, you know, that that you take onus to it. It means a lot to you. Um, and he's like, well, it's not going to happen again. And lo and behold, he comes out the next day, catches every single ball. He's mm-hmm. hitting the jugs after practice. Um, so 
he's a he's a guy who takes all this stuff really. He takes the the coaching to heart, and and I'm really looking forward to continuing to just coach him hard because he's risen up every time you, you've challenged him. As a coach, you got to love that mentality that he has. Is it safe to say that he isn't a one trick pony in terms of he can do more than just the go route, even though he has yeah. that speed? He can, he can, and I think uh, it kind of showed in Nebraska a little bit when they used him in the slot too, which is mm -hmm. an interesting, interesting component for him. Just having the experience of being in there, not necessarily having to run the full tree, but some guys when they go down inside, um, it kind of throws them in a loop because mm -hmm. the, the game's completely different. Yeah, but that's what excites me for him. You could throw him at X, right? You could tell him to to win vertically, to to own his footwork, like we were talking about before. He's a big one. For all the underneath stuff, he needs to own his footwork because we know he can run a go ball. Right. Um, but then also his experience in the slot at Nebraska, they did a lot with him there. To be able to stretch the field vertically um, mm -hmm. from inside, that helps us. That helps us with Chris. That helps us with Mike. That helps us with whoever else is on the field, with Kate Otten and with you know even the, even the running game. If you want yeah. to run through the middle of the field and those backers have to carry three vertical – like that's that's some real speed, <laughs> yeah. right? Imagine you know some of our guys, Levante David. You know he's been in the league for a while, and he sees right. legs at number three, and he's got to carry him. It's like that's hard. Um, so that stuff's really exciting that he has all of that under his belt. Um, a lot like we were talking about with Mike, like he's done these yeah. things before. So all it it's, it makes it a little bit easier to plug and play in different spots. It, when uh, you know when you hear we even put Coach Canales on the spot. Uh, I think Todd Todd Bowles even mentioned Raheem Jarrett is is a guy, is an undrafted free agent coming in. It's kind of turned some heads that you guys are curious about. You know, seeing when the pads come on because let's face it, uh, it this is kind of flag football right now, right? This isn't real yeah. football. This is you know there's no pads on. Nobody's getting hit. This is just jerseys and, and helmets. And I've seen in my 28 years of covering this team. There's been some guys that have really flashed in the offseason and we kind of rave about them and the pads come on and they get a little gun shy and they just kind of fall off the map. But but the, tell me about about Rakeem Jarrett. This this guy so far is turning some heads, is he not? Oh, rock, man. Rock. Rock is awesome. And uh, I did not see him shy away from the physical nature of the game at all. Yeah. I think he's, he's going to shine even more. Um, you talk about uh, someone who one He comes on the field and he looks like a running back. Um, he's, he, he is rocked yeah. up, but he does a great job of holding space. Um, and he's got, he's got speed, got to continue to get it, the speed out of every route. Yeah, he's, he's ran a good 40. All right. And he's mm -hmm. put that on tape. A lot of the times it comes after the catch. Cause he just has a natural knack for, yeah. um, you know, being a, a runner with the ball, but what he does do really naturally, and you don't even have to coach him on it is holding space. So if he's running a vertical route, and that ball's put outside, he's going to catch that ball outside, and the DB mm -hmm. has to play through him. Um, and that makes it really tough on uh, on defenders because once he gets to your your outside shoulder, once he gets to your inside shoulder, you got to play through a you know a, a really a large frame there. It's a lot like Chris Chris Godwin, right? Yeah. Um, so him having the example of Chris um, is is going to be a real benefit for him. Um, but Rock, we talked about Trey's approach mentally. Uh, rock rock as well um super serious guy mm -hmm. all right almost you know you got to loosen him up sometimes but um you just love his intentionality and you love how much it means to him um he's uh he takes everything you say he's writing it down mm -hmm. um, he's he's owning it he's absorbing it and uh and really i, I got to speak for the whole rookie class in that regard um they've all been that way and they've all been yeah. you know very uh receptive and they all know who they have um, as examples in the room.
uh, with them. So Rock Rock definitely fits that mold. One of the guys I'm interested in as a, as a Kansas Stater is is Cade Warner, uh, who who is the self-proclaimed smartest receiver in the draft. He's I knew it was coming. <laughs> right. And we, which I mean, listen, I, I followed him for the last couple of years after he transferred from Nebraska to K-State. And I've heard plenty of, of stories about his, this guy. His confidence is not lacking either. He is uh, he's pretty sure of himself and really developed into a big time weapon for the Wildcats last year. And of course, this is Kurt Warner's son. But, uh, you know, you just you have a conversation. I've interviewed him twice this offseason. The football IQ is definitely there. And really, football, as, a, as, a, as it pertains to the receiver positions, two things, right? It's get open and catch the ball. And this guy knows how to get open and knows how to catch the ball. Absolutely. He can separate. He's, he's got a, a lot of wiggle. All right, so when you want to win one-on-one on third down, um, he's got all the tools in his belt, and he knows when to use them. So for Cade – like whenever you're dealing with someone as smart as him, who's, you know, he's pushing me in the meeting room, which I love. Like he keeps <laughs> me on my toes. He makes sure I have to show up to the meeting early to make sure I'm on my notes too. Um, so he's, he's phenomenal that way. But how does he push you in the meeting room? You're, you're well, the boss in there. Oh, no, he'll, he'll pick and prod. Hey, versus quarters. Should we, can we stem it in? Can we, you know, just little small nuances. Yeah. We're just testing to see if I have the answer. Like, he knows, he, knows, he knows the right answer, um, but okay. I love it. I love it and because it, it brings up a lot of the questions in the room that the other guys, um, they might want to ask, but Kate mm-hmm. has no no hesitation to go ahead and just spitball it. Yeah. Um, and it's been great that way. Um, and it's been good for our other guys because um, he shows, hey, how deep, what does it look like to really own a play? What does it look mm-hmm. like to really own a concept and really own what the defense is trying to do to us? All right. He's asking those 300 level questions. And for, you know, another guy who might feel like he has it, he's like, well, dang, man, that's a that's next level. All right. Yeah. So I got I got to be on my stuff. I need to go back through and and really see how well do I know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, that's awesome to have in the room. It really is. And then for Kate as a player, um, like you said, he knows how to separate. and He knows how to get open and 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 catch the ball it's just when are you going to use your tools when can Mm -hmm. you use those tools to be on the same page with the quarterback because it's one thing to get open and you know like you're playing sandlot football and the quarterback's just sitting back there you know and he's got no rush he's got five mississippi so you're all good (laughs) but it's another thing to do it within the the structure of the play yeah Um, so what are we what are we trying to accomplish and when are we trying to accomplish it so those are the conversations that me and kate have had Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing is you might be able to separate and get away from the the guy who's matching you underneath um and get open on a choice route um but we just talked about antoine winfield we just talked about ryan neal being smart players those guys drive that stuff so if you're not coming off the ball and you're just wiggling and you're shaking the guy and dropping them well, I'm going to go ahead and have to meet you in the hospital later that week because Antoine's <laughs> coming out of his shoes to make the hit. Right. Uh, so we've had a couple of, of those conversations where he makes a great play and everybody's applauding him, but it's really cool to be able to bring him aside and say, Cade, great job at the top of the route. But if yeah. you don't come off with some juice, um, then that safety right there, you can mm-hmm. see where he's plugging and he's making that play on, on you. So um, it's really cool to really stretch the knowledge of the room um, but then also it keeps me honest and, and it allows him to continue to say, hey, when can I use the tools that I do have? I, w- I wanted to ask you about a couple of the second year wide receivers with Devin Tompkins, who you talked about a little bit earlier, and, and Kalen Geiger, because 
their athleticism just jumps off the chart. So what have you seen from them in practice? Oh, Dev, DT is he's special. Uh, we ran a we were running some red zone concepts and some Dino posts and bang eight posts that are real tight window throws. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we run these to the bigger body receivers. We had a couple thrown to DK last year. Um, Devin Tompkins, he got our first completion on one um, this offseason, you know, within the tight red zone. Absolutely yeah. just jump ball. The last guy coming off the bus that you'd expect to throw in a yes. jump ball bang eight post <laughs> to. Uh, on Antoine Winfield, and, and Winfield got up, and he couldn't do anything. But he got mossed. The guys he Winfield got mossed by by DT. <laughs> we saw that. I think that was one of the open practices. Yeah, it was one of the practices. Yeah. You, guys, you guys are probably there. Yeah, right in the back of the end zone, and yep. and uh, you, you know that that he does parkour, or he did parkour as oh, a kid. Man, show me all those videos. His, yeah, his yeah. One footed backflips on the beach, and yeah. And uh, I think he'll be our victory formation guy if we have to throw some some backflips like we did with uh, Marquise. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I also want to make sure, hey, you know, hone those back a little bit. We need, yeah. we need you for the season. Um, five hopefully. foot seven, but he's got like a 41 inch vertical. It's just crazy. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I've never seen it's, it's like a rabbit. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, yeah. But him for honing in the footwork is the biggest thing for him being consistent um, because he's just, uh, you know, you wind him up and you let him go and he just, he rolls and he won't yeah. stop. Um, so it's, he's been awesome. And then KG, um, talk about a, a guy who takes everything you say and he wants to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to learn the position. He's played so much in the slot. He's played a lot of free access football mm-hmm. where if you just say, hey, go beat the brakes off of this guy and run to the pylon yeah. or go win on a go route, like it's easy for him. He's confident and he's the most aggressive. I told him – the last meeting we had as we broke, I said, this offseason, you are the most aggressive receiver we have in this room when you know what you're doing. It's um, it's amazing how he goes up for the ball, how he drops someone at the line of scrimmage. Um, for him, it's just going to be how many roles can we use him in? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not the top you know, one and two, then it only makes you more valuable if you can play X, F, and Z. Yeah. Um, if we can move you around, which he can play all three physically, mm-hmm. and he's already shown this offseason to be able to, to produce at each position, if you can play all three, it just makes it so much easier to say, I need a guy, KG, go in. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would love for him to be that guy. I would love for him to be right in the mix with everybody else uh, in that regard because he is very aggressive to the ball. And another guy, his long speed was uh, – you know, up the up at the top of the charts when it came to running some of those down the field throws. Uh, you know, this off season. So he's uh, he's been a lot of fun to work with. Um, it was great meeting his um, his girl and his kids too. Um, mm-hmm. This off season, he's a family man. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell, uh, he's a, he's a grounded grounded guy. It just it means a lot to him. I mean, he takes a lot of pride in his work. So yeah, he's in the mix for the slot position. But you know, help me understand. The, the slot in this it, it is is there going to be a slot receiver or is the slot going to be whatever the play is in the formation it might be mike it might be chris it might be kg it might be k warner it might be russ or, or or do you have uh you know like a couple of guys in the mix for the slot receiver position and that's that's kind of a position unto itself i think i think in the traditional sense you always have a guy you want to be able to win underneath or work mm-hmm. the middle of the field um it's funny what happened the last couple of years with Tyler Lockett was he was that guy for us on third down. If we needed mm-hmm. to win underneath, he, he was phenomenal. He could also win outside, but 
We just needed a consistent target that, to get us to move the sticks on third and six. Yeah. Um, so that's where my head goes when people talk about a slot receiver. Yeah. But this offense calls for so much more with the variation of um, cut split stuff and moving guys around and empty. Um, so there's really a, a spread out world that we'll live mm-hmm. in. And then there's a condensed split world where play action, keepers, quick game, and all that stuff will start to pop up, the run game, um, along with the fly sweep. So um, for us early in training camp and what it's been this offseason is get the offense in and then see how many of these different little roles within the cut split world and the you know spread out world that mm-hmm. these guys can play um, and pick up mentally so we can kind of plug and play whoever that third receiver is. So we see yeah. it as more as who's our third receiver who can go win one-on-one, um, who can do some of these things for us because we want to be able to move guys around. Um, we don't want to pigeonhole anyone into to just playing in the slot uh, or just playing, you know, outside. One on, like, Mike, it would be so easy for a guy to come in and say, Mike, you're the X, go out there and win. Right. But that's doing him a disservice. Um, just the same as taking a slot receiver and saying, hey, go win against this nickel. Well, if he can do more outside, we'd love to do that as well. Yeah. And then now you get a mismatch with, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin inside. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's funny you bring it up that way. Um, I really do see it as a who's our third receiver, um, mm-hmm. who's our next guy up um, for any of these roles. And then um, one of the first conversations I had with Chris was, hey, what's your plan for me in the slot? Because I'm really comfortable there. I really enjoyed it. It's like, well, we're going to. We're gonna play a Z, so in twelve personnel, you're on the field to start. <laughs> yeah, um, but but don't worry. Like if you study your formations, Z moves to the slot. Yeah, all right, F moves outside. We had mm-hmm. to do all this stuff. We did this with Tyler, no problem. He was our Z. Mm-hmm. All right, we'd move him into the slot, and he'd play in the slot on third down. He'd also play outside on third down. So, um, not letting them get a beat on on who we are in eleven and twelve personnel. It's just going to be it's going to be great for us. And whoever that third receiver is at the time, it's going to be, a you know, by committee or whoever the second receiver is, you know, depending on concept, that might be by committee as well. Um, so it's really a, who, who's that third guy. Yeah. And we'll, we'll just wait for it to kind of come to fruition uh, throughout training camp and preseason. One of the players that uh, that we're going to include in the new guy mix. He's not new to football though, is a player that had some time in Seattle with the, you know, David Moore, you talk about looks like a running back, but it's playing wide receiver. David Moore's he's a big dude, not, not the tallest guy, but about 220 pounds. If the roster weight is correct. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a big, powerful guy. He, he catches the, the ball. He plucks the ball and he's a friendly target for the quarterbacks. Um, I think it was day one or two, uh, Kyle and Baker coming off the field are like, man, I like throwing to that guy. It just, it's like a security blanket. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what he was for us in Seattle. Um, he'll kind of lull you to sleep sometimes with his, he's a, a long strider. He's not all that tall, right? He's not six, five, but he's a long strider. So you can't really tell how much speed he's gaining, but mm-hmm. a real vertical threat because he does attack the ball and he plays with his leverage so well. So um, it's been great having David in the room, a guy who's an experience. Uh, he's got a lot of experience with Dave. Um, Dave was in the room with him as the receivers coach too uh, back in the day. So yeah, kind of coming full circle with them. And then, and then I coached David uh, my first year in Seattle. Um, so he's a guy who he knows what we like. He knows how we communicate things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that helps too in the room um, just with the younger guys with some unfamiliarity with, with uh, me and coach Canales. 
Brad, you've been uh, super grateful with your time, so we really appreciate it. We'll get you out of here in a second. Uh, my last question to you, though, is we just talked about a lot of players that are lobbying for there's only so many spots at wide receiver on this team. What are you looking for from these players? Like, how do guys separate themselves in order to make this team? Well, you, you guys mentioned it. Right? We've been in shorts all camp, right? So all offseason, it's, it's, been, it's been fun to watch athletes run around on a field. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of people out there that could do it. But when you put the pads on, that's when it's, it's got to come alive. Another step. Who's taking that next step forward, even though we're adding another element to it? Mm-hmm. Um, we know – Chris, we know Mike, we know those guys, they shine when the pads come on. Right. They get better. All right. Who else out of these other guys, who's going to get better when we put the pads on? And, who's uh, going to do the run blocking, some of the dirty yes. work, right, yeah, and all that. Exactly. Yeah. And then who's going to attack the ball in tight quarters? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to get off press? Um, who's going to work downfield, you know, when, when it's a little bit grimy of a release? Um, so I really look forward to it because I do think – like we really have a competitive group of young guys and it's going to make it really tough. Yeah. Um, me and Dave talked about it last week or the, it was either last week or the week before. Um, we're like, you want it to be tough. You want mm-hmm. to go into the, into the summer saying, man, I don't want to cut any of these guys. Yeah. Like I want them all on the team. Um, but that's just the way, the nature of the beast. And, uh, and we love having that competitive spirit in the room. And uh, we look forward to see who rises to the challenge. Yeah, I think your your receiver room uh, certainly is is short on experience outside of your veterans, right? But it's long on talent. Like you, you know, you could make the case right now, and like you said, we'll see when the pants come on. Uh, you can make a case for for you know all these guys sticking. I mean, they've they've shown and they flashed enough. I don't think you're you're in any hurry to cut any of it by any means. Um, yeah, I asked you a question, and this is my last question, and I appreciate your time too, as as Matt has said. Yeah, uh, you've been a fantastic guest on on the show. Uh, I asked you on on May tenth. Uh, you know Dave Canales better than anybody in the building, having spent time with him up in Seattle. Uh, wh- what is what is going to make him work? Right? What's what's going to make him as a first year play caller successful? And you gave me a great answer then, but now you've had a chance to see Dave go through the OTAs through the mini camp. And I'm sure that opinion that you shared with me at that time and the rest of the media has only been bolstered by his play calling, right? And Todd Bowles has helped him out with these call-it periods uh, that has kind of accelerated his learning curve and helped him. That's something Dave said last week on the show. But um, just for our our viewers and listeners on the Peter Report podcast, what is going to make Dave Canales successful this year as a first-year play caller? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You, you mentioned the, the call-up periods. Like, Dave, he will never make the same mistake twice. Not that he's made mistakes, but, oh, I want to review what we just went through, all right, and I want to get better. How could I have done that better? And he's writing it down, and it's locked away, and it's never going to be made again. So those call-up periods, credit to Coach Bowles. We've had a lot of them. It strains a lot of the, the rest of the team as far as, you know, getting reps, getting guys reps and, you know, repping concepts and all of that, yeah. but it's been awesome for Dave to go through all the gymnastics. Now let's get it all out of the way. Now, just like when you're dealing with a quarterback competition, like, Hey, let's get all the lumps out of the way now. So when we get to the preseason games, you know, we're firing yeah. well, same thing for a play caller. Um, he's, he's gotten to go through all those different scenarios and we've done those in Seattle, but it's a little different when you're on the hot mic. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been phenomenal for him. And the, the best way uh, for the staff and for the players to see what he's all about is when he comes in the meeting room the next morning 
and you want to talk about authenticity, authenticity. Let's see mm -hmm. if I can spell that one out. Yeah. Um, authenticity and someone who's transparent. He's the first one to say, guys, I have, I will do better here. This yeah. is what I'm going to do here. And then he'll follow it up with a clip of what he wants to accomplish in a certain situation. All right. So that's when you earn the respect of the players. Yeah. All right? It's not when, Hey, I'm going to be a perfect play caller for you. All right. right. You can always rely on me. And then it doesn't follow through. Like there's, there's always lumps. There's, yeah. there's always times when you don't see eye to eye with all 11 of your right. <laughs> grown men playing professional football. I don't yeah. think there's ever a moment where you see eye to eye with every single sure. one of them. But when you know a guy's being real with you, when you know a guy is going to own up to, you know, his portion of the, you know, the responsibility of what mm -hmm. we're doing, um, that just makes it that much easier to march in the same direction. Yeah. It's like, and, hey, and, I might not agree with the play call, but this is what he believes in, and we're, we're all going together. He spent a lot of time up in the box in Seattle helping the offensive coordinators out by being having that aerial view. Is that, is that a role that you're going to play for Dave this year up in the press box? You're going to be on the sidelines. We've uh, we've gone back and forth on that. Um, we have a lot. We have a couple former coordinators on our team, mm -hmm. uh, on our staff with Coach Castle, um, uh, Coach Rye, that have done a phenomenal job. So initially he said, yeah, I think, Brad, you need to be on the box. Um, but as we've gone a little bit further, I think he wants me down on the field um, just because we he's trusts those guys that we have and that we have a great staff with so yeah. much responsibility um, that they've done in the past. Guys who understand what it's like to be a play caller, what information yeah. you need, streams of communication. So I think we're going to revisit that when we get back. Um, but it, from what it sounds like right now, um, I'm, he's going to put me down on the field to make sure the, the lines of communication between the quarterbacks and receivers is, you know, yeah. always connected. That's awesome. Well, you're quite the communicator, Brad. We really appreciate your time. You uh, welcome back to Tampa. And uh, we're super excited to, to see your, your work continue with the wide receivers and training camp this summer. Thank you so much for joining us on the Peter Report Podcast. Thanks a lot, tonight. Brad. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you guys at the end of break. Yep. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. All right, Matt, uh, you want to take us out? Yeah, by the way, we have a uh, very fun show coming up tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we have the Sunday night football schedule versus the Monday night football schedule. We'll see uh, how it stacks up, which one you like more. We'll get into all of that. And just a reminder real quick, please like and subscribe to all of our social media and uh, our YouTube at Peter Report TV and at Peter Report for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera, and for Brad Itzik as well, we're saying thank you, everybody, for watching. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.